If you've got a Bible, you might like to turn to the, the letter to the Philippians. We're looking at Philippians chapter 3 this morning, and we've been looking at a series of uh, joy from jail. Joy from jail. We're looking at how Paul was able to find this sense of hope, purpose, direction, a sense of inner peace. He was right with God in the midst of whatever circumstance he found himself in. And there is a place that we can find as believers, as Christians, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, whereby we find our place with God. We find our purpose. And when we find our purpose in God, um, we get to know his promise and his presence and his peace. And there's nothing like that in life. And that's what we've been looking at while we're looking at Philippians together, this letter together. So that's where we're going to be going again this morning and focusing. This morning I particularly want to look at um, Philippians 3 verses 12 to 14 and pressing on in purpose, pressing on in purpose. And uh, this evening, it's a, it's a day of pr- purpose and promise, I feel. Um, this e- tonight we're going to look at the theme um, from the Old Testament, looking at Hannah's prayer, um, prayer from pain to promise and purpose. And uh, that's the way I feel about this, this day, looking together at finding our place and our purpose in God and in heart and life. And I get the privilege of being able to share uh, what I feel God is saying and stirring. You know, um, today is, 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 is it's not all about today. Uh, this, is, this is not everything. Our Sundays is an opportunity to gather with like-minded people. The church is the gathered ones or collected together ones. That's what church is. And so Sunday gives us an opportunity to gather, to get collected together, united in worship and in heart and in vision and share and and be encouraged and enthused and encouraged and fired and restored, renewed and healed so that we can be released into into our week. And so... um, uh, a guy called Andy Hawthorne from the, the Message uh, Trust said that Sunday is the halftime team talk. It's that part of the day. It's not the main event. This is a very important day. It's our day of worship, our day of God, a day of putting aside that moment to, to concentrate and to give our hearts and lives and focus and restore and be renewed and find purpose in God. But it, it all takes place not in here, as Tim and the worship team leading us this morning, in our every day of life. So we give God the glory, be exalted as we're being led this morning in every day and in every way. And so right now, I just get the privilege of being able to share something that I feel that God is stirring in me, that I hope will be stirring in you, that will help and inspire and encourage you and enable you and refresh you and restore you in your week and in your day. So let's look at this together um, for a moment or two. So it's um, Philippians. And uh, chapter 3 and verse 12. Now, if I had a Bible in front of me, I'd be turning it to it straight away. I wouldn't be waiting for it to load up. And that's exactly what I was just doing there. So here we go. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's look at verse 11. Just, uh, uh, verse 11 for a bit more context. Verse 10, rather. I want, I want to know, Paul says, writing to his friends at Philippi, in a letter, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and 
participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I, verse 12 is where we're concentrating from this morning, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind, I strain on towards the goal and prize that is in Christ Jesus. You know, this morning, God has a purpose for your life, my life, your life as an individual, as a couple, as a family, as a parent, a single parent, our church, as our nation. You know, this morning, we do not find ourselves here just by chance. I don't believe in chance. I believe in purpose, God-ordained purpose, and his provision that goes with that purpose. We've been singing about promise this morning. God is a God of purpose, and to fulfill his purposes for our lives and our hearts, he promises to be with us, and to go with us, and to stand with us, and to walk with us. And so this morning, we find ourselves not here by chance. If you're here, and you've visited, you've made a decision to come here. You've got up, you've, you, maybe you come here on a regular basis, but we're here by purpose, not by chance. For we have a God who holds the whole of the universe by the word of his power and sustains all things. And he has a will, a purpose and a will, and it's there for your life. He knows you by name. He knows the very hairs on your head. We're here because of purpose. This to me has been a profound revelation and learning and understanding. It has sustained me and helped me. When I find myself standing here today, it's because there's a purpose. I'm here, not because I decided to do this, but because God decided something in my heart and life, and I'm lining up my heart with his will. God wants us to rely on him, to rely on his person, to rely on him. When we rely on his person, we lay lay hold of his promise and therefore we fulfill and begin to line up with his purpose. And that's the desire of our God who is our father. Jesus revealed God as our heavenly father. He wants all human beings to come back to him, to line up our hearts and minds and our wills with him. That's what it means. So we line up with the good will that he has for you. The plans of God are good and perfect and pleasing, not to harm That's not pie in the sky. That's not just positive confession, positive thinking. That is from the word of God. God's desire is good, pleasing, and a perfect will. So isn't it a great thing? I don't know about you, but I want my life to line up with his will. If you can line up your heart and life with the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for you, in your life, your job and family, our hope, in our eternal destiny, but also here on this earth then you cannot be in a better place. I'm telling you this morning, you, I, don't just take it from me. Try it out yourself. Try and line up. Begin to open up your heart and say, yes, God, yes, I want to follow your way. Follow your, your will be done. Jesus prayed the same prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father God, let your will be done. Not my will, but let your will be done. He was lining his heart up with the plan and purpose of his father. If he modeled that, he wants us to model and follow his way. But how? How do we do that? Well, Paul, in this letter and in this passage of his letter, and these just these few lines that we're going to look at, they're verses for us, but there would have been lines in a, in a continuous letter. Paul shows us how, and he shows them how, and I believe we can learn today how we can 
line up our hearts with the purpose, plan, and person of God. And that's what we're going to look at in the next few moments. Paul uses a language of um, like competing in a race. The language that he uses in these few verses that we've just read, it's, it's very reminiscent, and the type of um, words that he uses are done on purpose. He's a man of purpose, and he speaks out of purpose. And so when he writes, he doesn't just write willy-nilly. This is guided. This is purposeful. And so he uses language that, that, is, that is reminiscent of being an athlete, either a runner or a charioteer in the language of the day, okay? And bearing in mind that he's writing in Philippi, it's part of the Greek-speaking world, the Greek world, the Olympic Games, they come from the Greek world and in ancient times. And so Paul is lining himself up with the, the speak of the day and using the language of competing as an athlete, how we can then take our steps to finding the will and purpose of God for our hearts and lives, living out our Christian life. He's speaking to Christians at this point. He's talking to them now how they can live that out, how they can continually line up heart, mind, and will with the purpose and plan of God. And when you do that, you'll know his promise. And when you do that, you'll know his promise. And so he, he, there are a number of steps that we can take as we, com- we run the race, as it were, of our Christian walk. There are a number of steps. And we're going to just look at some of those steps in the next few moments that we have um, this morning. So what are those steps? So Paul says, not that I have already obtained this. He's talking about knowing Jesus. The context of this, he says, I want to just know Jesus and his resurrection and and his suffering. And then he goes on to say, he's a Christian, an amazing man of God. And then he says this in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not, listen to this, Read this, verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. If ever there was a man, an amazing man, who wrote most of the New Testament that we, we've got, the letters, who, who was following Jesus Christ, who'd met with Jesus, was filled with the grace of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, is this man, Paul. And then Paul says this, this is a wake-up call to my life, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider yet to have taken hold of it. He's not saying I'm a bad Christian. He's just saying there's more. There's more to following. I desire to continue. I want to line up my heart and mind and will and be in the will of God all the time. All the time. So the first step, there's, there's a few steps that we're going to look at. The first step is this. The first step, as it were, to continuing and knowing the power, the presence, and the purpose of God is divine dissatisfaction. Divine dissatisfaction. Paul says there, I have not taken hold of it. I have not already obtained this that has taken hold of me. Basically saying, I've not arrived yet. In a nutshell, after all that, in a phrase, I've not arrived yet. He's basically said, I have not arrived yet. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I don't know how many churches you've been in. Maybe this has been the only one you've been in for, for all of your time. But... If you've been on the, the Christian road for a number of years, and it's now, it, for me now, it's, 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 it's um, 34 years this year, a Christian. 34 years, a Christian. Uh, and just some of you may be longer, looking at some of you a lot longer than that, perhaps. But, but some of you may be a bit longer than that. Some of us only a few weeks. But no matter how or where we're at, 
the wake-up call is, it should be that we have not arrived yet. Complacency is a dangerous thing. This is what Paul is getting at here. Complacency, when he says, I've not arrived yet, he's not saying, you know, I'm rubbish, you know. But he's got this really, he's really a grounded man. He's grounded in God. And he's got this divine dissatisfaction with, I just want to continue to follow God more. And complacency is a dangerous thing because complacency can give way to apathy. We think we've arrived. I've been on the journey. I've read it. I know it now. I've been, oh, I've seen that. I've done this. I've been there. And, you know, complacency is something that can creep into life. Drift. You've only got to be on one of these um, inflatable thingies on the beach, lying in the sun. And if you fall asleep, you can drift out to sea. Drift. It's a gentle thing, isn't it? Drifting. Drifting away on a sunny beach, whatever it is. But if you're on a lilo and you're on the sea, you can drift, drift away, a long way away. Drift is a dangerous thing. At first, it's quite settling. But, you know, complacency. And I, I can drift. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, as a leader, I can drift. You can drift away. I know it's hot in here. Stay with me. I know you're feeling tired at this very moment. But we can drift. And so complacency can give way to dangerous apathy. It's danger. This is why Paul said to a man called Timothy, in his letters letters to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift that is in you. If ever you're aware of that letter to Timothy, maybe some of you are very aware. He says, or in other words, another translation says, stir up the gift that's in you by the laying on of my hands. Why? He's basically saying, don't let complacency kick in. You need divine dissatisfaction. You need to stir up your heart and stir up our lives. When I mean divine dissatisfaction, there's more in God. There's more in my life for me to walk, to follow, to allow him to have the place, the space to take my life. There's always more room in that respect. And so there's this sense of Paul saying... You know, I haven't arrived there yet. I don't know about you, but my observation is, if I park up, if I drift a little then, it's not long before I pull out. I've seen it in church life over the years. Great Christians who get to a place, park up. Hey, we all get tired at times. There's nothing wrong in resting. I'm not saying that. This is completely different. We all need a rest. We all need to put the handbrake on of life and just come to the side for a moment. Absolutely, I agree with that. There's a place of rest. Oh, absolutely. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about a place where we park up, and that's it now. Not, I'm, I've arrived. And it doesn't take very long. If I, if I find myself spiritually parking up in God, it doesn't take long before I've unconsciously pulled out. I no longer see those people that I used to see. I no longer meet with that group that I used to group meet. Not that I have to be doing things. I'm not saying that. Hear my heart. I'm not saying that. But there's something about a sense of stirring up, stirring our hearts. And Paul says to Timothy, stir up, fan into flame. You stir up. And so Paul is saying this. And Paul is very conscious. Everything Paul said, he practiced. He practiced what he preached. Isn't it amazing? He said, I've not arrived yet. He's this guy who likes to stir up his heart. And so I found in my own heart and life that as I read the word of God, as I read the word of God, it stirs my heart. I don't know about you, but I'm finding in my own personal devotions, it keeps stirring my heart. Every, every day, as I read something, it stirs something. 
There's not a day goes by, something, you know, it, okay, it, it might not have a blinding revelation every single day, but it, it does an effect of stirring my heart, unbeknown to myself, in my spirit, my emotions, and my mind, as I read the Word of God, in my own private and personal devotions, every day, it stirs something. I also find that as I meet other Christians and meet with others, it says in the Word of God, the, the, the Bible, iron sharpens iron. There's something about meeting with others, reading it for myself, following Jesus in my own heart and life, and then being amongst others. Oh, I know you can go on the internet, and you can stream it, and you don't have to be an eyeball and see someone. And uh, you know, I, people know what I think about unsociable social media, but there's something about seeing someone eye to eye, face to face, iron sharpening iron, agreeing and disagreeing even, and being encouraged and inspired by somebody. It's something really powerful. Stir up. Stir up, says Paul. A divine dissatisfaction. The second thing that we see is this. He goes on to say this. He says then in verse 13, at the second part of verse 18, but one thing I do. He says, I haven't arrived there yet. And then he says this in uh, verse 13, part B of that, uh, the second part. He says this in the NIV, but one thing I do. That speaks of devotion. If we need a stirring and a divine dissatisfaction, there is something about in our hearts and lives where we need focus. He says, but one thing I do. We need focus. You and I need focus in, in, in life. Uh, on, the, on the men's walk, on the guys, we went for a walk and we did um, something like six miles or whatever it was. It was only going to be a little walk around the corner, but it turned out a bit longer. But it wasn't too bad. It was a great walk. It was a nice day. And during the walk, we picked up the pace and Steve Williams took the front. And I said, Steve, you're a man with a mission and you're on pur- with purpose. He says, yep, I'm waiting to get back from a dinner and a steak <laughs> at the Bull's Head in Breeston. And he was... I said, I'm going to join you and set the pace. He had a fo- Steve had a focus on that, on, on that walk. And uh, he said, oh, you, you, you read people, Adrian, don't you? I said, well, you know, you, you're picking up the pace, Steve. You, you're walking with purpose here. And uh, there's something about focus. Paul says, but one thing I do. But one thing. But one thing I do. We have to be devoted, focused in our Christian walk from time to time. Your gaze will determine your goal. I find my gaze often determines my goal in life. The things that capture me, my gaze is what captures and captivates me. I don't know about you. Maybe we're all, you know, we're all different. We're all wired up differently. I know that. But I find that what I spend time focusing on will capture and capture, captivate and capture. Now, it's not all bad. There's good stuff to focus on. There's lots of good things in life. And so we can have, you know... Lots of stuff. You know, in, in life, there are many distractions. We live in a world of choice. Isn't it great? We live in an amazing world. There is more choice today than there's ever been. Choice, that's what I'm told. A world of many opportunities, but also a world of many distractions. We live in a world of many distractions. Now, it's interesting. If you watch an athlete, you watch the Olympic Games, you'll see them and they'll come out and sometimes they'll have these Beats earphones on. Because they don't want to hear the crowd. They're focused. Some of these swimmers come out with earphones on. And the crowd are cheering them. But they, they, they don't want to hear the cheer. They're focusing. And, and you'll notice they'll do a routine. And, they're, they're, and if you look at them looking, and f- they're focusing. And there's something about the athlete. The runners, the runners do the same thing. They do these funny things. They start stretching and running and breathing a certain way. And looking backward and forward, putting their, their Beats earphones on. And, and look, but they're focusing. The idea is that you take your eyes off of all the distraction. It's called focus. An athlete focuses. 
Watch them. You watch. You watch the next time you watch somebody running a race or whatever it is. You know, not all distractions are bad. There's lots of good stuff in life. There's a lot of good distractions. But they can still be a distraction. Just be, not all distraction is bad. But when it takes our focus, that's when it becomes dangerous. So it's what captures our hearts. And so there's something about, you know, focusing, being devoted. And Paul says, this one thing I do, I'm going to set my focus on Jesus Christ. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to be a person that's going for God, going to gaze, put my gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not on your church leader. It's not on the type of music. It's not on the brand. It's... It's on Jesus. We focus on the author and perfecter of our faith. For me, over the past several years, I've come to like a sweet renewal in my own personal devotions. The last three years have been, I would say, a bit of a renewal and revelation for me. Just a quiet revelation. Just a gentle, quiet revelation and revolution in my own life. And so my own personal devotions, that's something that I read or pray each day and just spend a moment with with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus each day, has, has, has done something in my focus. It's just changing my focus of life. Un, unbeknownst, without effort, by grace, just by God's incredible love and power. I find that some aspects of daily life can mess with my head. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of stuff in life the hectic pressure, the pace, the things we've got to do, the things I don't do, the things I wish I did, the things others do. I don't know about you, but all that can sometimes mess with my head. I'm talking to a lot of people today. They say, so Facebook's messing with my head. I speak to a lot of people and they say that to me. I see this and I see that, or I'm distracted by this or distracted by that. And so I find that that sweet sense of my moment, I have a, a sailor moment. Sailor in the Psalms is pause. Reflect, meditate. If you see it in the Psalms, the Salah, it's a, it's a, it's a lull in the musical, it's a musical interlude. And I have, I have a sailor moment at some point each day at some place. And it stops, it helps focus with my head and my heart, my spirit and my emotions. Get focused, devoted. This one thing I do, says Paul, third thing that we find is a step to take. Uh, we'll be finishing in a moment. One more after this and we finish. It's direction. So Paul says, get focused. This one thing, I'm going to follow Jesus. God's word renews my mind. His spirit refreshes my soul. It's water upon my heart and, um, and, and my life. And uh, thirdly, direction. In thir- verse 13, the third part there, he says this in, in p- 13c. It says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. So this one thing I do, focus, devotion. Now he says, forgetting what is behind and straining. That's a very key word there. And straining on to what is ahead. That's direction. He's speaking about direction. If you want to get to the right destination, you need direction. We are people of destiny. I, we are the church. You as a Christian. I don't know whether you know this or not. You're a person of destiny. You have a direction into the arms of a heavenly God, a heavenly Father. The place where Jesus is. My word. We have a destiny and a direction. But if you want to get to the right destination, we need direction. In the days before sat-navs. So... 
doesn't seem that long ago, but it was a few years ago. Um, anywhere we'd travel for the first time, I'm the sort of person, I don't know if it's a guy thing, but it's, it's a me thing, that if I'm driving, I don't stop to ask for directions. My Helen um, is the type of person that will speak to anyone. She'll go up to somebody, you know, we could be anywhere, and she's like, oh, hello, oh, oh, that's a nice dress you've got, and oh, you're a lovely little child. She's, she, she could just speak to anyone, anytime. So she'll often say, wind down the windows. That's how long ago it was, wasn't even electric. electric. <laughs> wind down the window, Adrian. Wind down the window. I want to ask this person where we're going. I go, oh, no, no. I'm like an embarrassed sort of I know my way type of person. No, 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 I know where we're going, blah, blah. Invariably, she'd be absolutely right. She gets the directions. We get to the destination. Usually if it's me, take a wrong turn. Don't get there. She'll say, look, no, I'm going to get out. We're going to ask somebody the directions. Um, if, it's, if we're in Tesco, in Tesco, if we're in Tesco, Helen will say, where's such and such and such and such? I'll go, I think it's down this aisle or that aisle or this. We should go, ask the person, ask one of the you know, whoever it is, the assistants to help you out. Me, I'm just this sort of character. Helen will go straight up and ask the assistant. She'll go straight to find it. I've walked all the way around. I said, I found it. She says, I've done that five minutes ago. Direction. Direction. Get direction. Have direction. A sense of direction in heart and life is so important. Otherwise, we get lost. I know it stands for reason, but Paul says that there are three things about direction that are so important that I'd like to say. Number one about direction, and Paul says, straining, I forget what is behind, and straining on to what is ahead. Um, there's three things I just want to say very quickly about direction. It's not what I'm running from, but what I'm running to that counts. It's not so much what I'm running from when he says, I forget what is behind, and I strain on towards that which is ahead. You know, with direction in life, it's not what I'm running from, but what is incredibly important is what or who you're running to. Absolutely incredible. For a Christian, it's incredibly important you know where you're running. You'll know who you're going to. i tell you why. Because otherwise, you'll run from problem to problem. Over the years, I've done it myself. I've made the same mistake. Now, we all make mistakes. There's there's nothing wrong in making a mistake. None of us are perfect. But you can see sometimes we do the same thing again. We learn, we do something major, and then we fall for the same thing again. And it's a pattern, it's a pattern. It's because we can run from something and then run and do that something again and again. It's who we run or what we run to. It's who we run to. And this is why Paul says, straining. I forget what is behind, and I strain on to that which is ahead of me. It's Jesus Christ. Focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's who we are running to. So the the great news is um, we can leave our past behind us and run into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves us. How, How great is that? I don't know what haunts you. I don't know what challenges you. I don't know what frightens you. I don't know what's happened to you. And some things may have even happened to you in this church or in your life. And then, But we can, Paul says we can leave that behind us. And then we can move to the arms of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I don't know where you, I, I tell you where I want to be. I want to be in his arms. I want to be where he is, doing what he wants in place with him. And he says he's with us and in us, but there's something about lining up my heart. That's why Jesus, when he prayed in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. He was lining up his heart, running into the arms of his father. How about that? How amazing is that? He was running into the arms of his father, running into the place of the cross. How about that? 
Second thing I'd say about running and straining towards and leaving behind, looking back is not wrong in itself. You know, looking back on life, celebrating aspects of life, remembering certain things, sometimes good, often good, and sometimes some of the bad points of life. Looking back is not wrong in itself. Paul isn't, we're not beating ourselves up and saying, oh, you shouldn't be looking back. In itself, looking back isn't wrong. Um, you know, as, the, as a nation, the Jewish people were always encouraged to reflect, to recall the goodness of God. If you read the Old Testament, again and again, you read through the Old Testament, the Jews were always, when they were in Babylonian captivity, when they were in the, the wilderness, they were always looking back and, and looking to how God had helped them, re- delivered them. There's something about looking back that is, that is good. They, they reflect, they would recall And so there's something about that that isn't necessarily wrong. But that reflection was to fuel their resolve for moving forward into promise in their future. They reflected back that gave them a resolve. God is good then. God is good now. God has got a good and great future. There's something about looking back that gives us resolve to reflect, to recall, that gives us resolve to look ahead. And it's at that point that is so important. It's at that point that it's so important for your life and my life, for the life of a whole group of people, for a nation, a church even, that yes, we can look back, we recall good times, good days. But the danger can be is looking back and staying back there is dangerous. Looking back, reflecting, having resolve that gives us strength and fuels our future, that's amazing. But looking back and staying back there, that was a great day. Oh, did you see that? What happened then? And you talk to some people and you think, there was a great revival then in their lives and they're still waiting for that. That's dangerous. That is incredibly dangerous. Looking back, reflecting, resolve, fuel for the future as we move forward in God. But looking back and staying back there is dangerous. And this happened to the Jews. With Moses, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We had it better when they were in a wilderness experience. They got through the exodus. They were delivered with miracles, fire. And yet they said, we want to go back to Egypt. They harp back. You say, that's dangerous. And this happened and has happened throughout church history. It can happen to your life, my life, a church, our church. Our church has had a great history. Some amazing, incredible days. And we thank God for that. We reflect on that. We learn from that. And that gives us resolve for a great future. Because God has got great things ahead. He's always moving on ahead of us. And that brings me to my final point on this idea of looking forward. Christians are people of momentum. At the moment, there's a leftist group that call themselves Momentum. Yeah, there's a far left group that they're called Momentum. But I tell you what, we, the church, we are the people of Momentum. We are the people of Momentum. Should I tell you why? Because the Holy Spirit's on the move. Jesus is on the move. In the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it says Aslan is on the move. The Lion of the tribe of Judah is always on the move. He's a God of Momentum. We're people of destiny, people with a destination, and we're made for a journey, a journey in God. We're not designed to stay and park up. So when the disciples said to one another, this is amazing, we see your glory, let's make some booths, let's make some tents and stay here. Jesus said, no, we're going to move on. We're going to move down the mountain and we're going to go and reach out to those that need to know me. God is a God of momentum, of movement. Jesus said to his disciples, come, and he says today, follow me. He wants you and I to follow him. 
Jesus said, I am, how about this? And I'm sure that some of you can rattle this one off. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus is the way. Momentum is a pathway, a way, the way, the destination, the place. And so the church, we are called to be people of momentum. In actual fact, early Christians, believers, were called followers of the way. The earliest Christians, it's believed, weren't called Christians. It was at Ephesus, if you read Acts. They were called Christ once, but they were initially called followers of the way because Jesus called himself the way. People of momentum. We are called. So no wonder Paul says, looking at what is there, I now strain and I look forward. I'm on on the move in God to what he has for my heart and life. And finally, determination. Paul says these words. He says, straining towards what is ahead, verse 13. I press on towards the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He says, I press on. Straining. They are really interesting words. Uh, You have to be determined to run the race. And they speak of determination. You know, a runner, an athlete is jostled by the runners. Have you ever watched the Olympic Games when they're running either a, a long-distance race and the runners start off on the line and they, they bump into each other? You know, in life, we will bump into each other. People will say things that, to you that will upset you and do stuff. We will trip up along the way in church and outside of church. As we walk this race, we'll be jostled, as it were, if we're by life. You know, a, a runner, when they're running, there's a point um, if you, if you, you run, well, you run through a pain barrier so where you get a stitch or a fatigue. Runners can get, for, for even the most, you know, the best of runners, the most seasoned of runners, those that are really trained, have a point where there's a pain barrier, a fatigue point, a point of fatigue. And in the Christian walk and journey, fatigue can set in. You might be in pain right now. There might be something going on in your life and your heart that is causing you pain. I, I, if you're like me, you feel like giving up from time to time. If you're human, filled with the Holy Spirit, charismatic, there are times when the pain gets almost too great. And the runner knows that if you can run through the pain barrier, you can come through and reach your destination. And there's something about pushing through that pain barrier. Determination. Paul says, he uses a particular word, I strain. It's a, it, the picture there is a runner straining, pushing himself, pushing themselves for the tape. Interesting. Um, at the Rio Olympics, well, you can just about see it there. But at the Rio Olympics, this actually happened with a runner. Her name was uh, Shauna Miller. She ran for the Bahamas, and she won the 400-meter gold medal. And how did she win the 400-meter gold medal? Well, she came first. But how did she come first? Have a look at the screen. Now, can you see on the screen what she did? She threw herself over the line. She actually threw herself over the line. It actually happened. I remember seeing it at the time, and I thought, that's amazing. She throws herself over the line. You can see that the other runner is almost ahead of her, but she got to a point where she threw herself over the line, and the rules say this, actually, that if your head or your arms are over the line, you don't win the race. But if a part of your torso is over the line... You can win the race. Very few people have thrown themselves over the line. It hardly happens. But what they said was, and you can see there, that from her shoulders down, part of her torso crosses the line. And she won it by about two, was it hundreds of a second or something, from the lady that comes second. Determination! How about that? 
That's just winning a gold medal, just. That's a pretty amazing thing, gold medal at Rio. But there's something about determination in God, in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do it on our own. It's not mind over matter, but Jesus comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I say this morning, ladies, gentlemen, guys, girls, let's be people and press on. It might be that we need to run through the pain barrier. It might be that we're getting a bit fatigued. There's something about maybe restoring our focus this morning. Um, We're going to pray together. If the worship team could come back, that would be great. And as we pray together, we're just going to come and close this morning and seal what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts and in our lives as we conclude. But this morning you may be here and there is a sense that we need to stir up something. And I pray the Holy Spirit stirs up a divine dissatisfaction in your heart and mind that there is more in God There's something more in God for your life. There's something more in Jesus Christ in your walk. There's something more in the church, in the in the church that you're this church or the church that you represent. The divine dissatisfaction. Uh, We haven't arrived yet, church, have we? Come on, we haven't arrived yet. We've not arrived yet. Not till we see Jesus face to face. I want to see him face to face. I'm going to see him face to face at some day. But let's not let complacency set in because complacency is the brother and sister of apathy. I'd just like to thank Adrian for this morning for bringing that scripture alive. I feel it's a real now word for the church here. And those who are a bit sleepy today need to re-listen to that and also to study those scriptures. I really feel, you know, when God spoke and the whole universe was created and then Jesus said, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And it's so easy, um, you know, to get complacent. We're relatively full church, a lot going on. We've got so much to be thankful for, but there's always more. And, you know, God is moving even in this country at the moment. Many people coming to the Lord and my son keeps me posted about the miraculous healings that are happening in Bristol. And Bristol is no different from us. It's the same spirit. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. Should we stand together? Should we stand together? We're going to just close in worship together. If you can stand, please stand. If you want to remain seated, then it's fine. You can remain seated as well. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray. We're praying for a stirring in our hearts and minds. I pray for a divine dissatisfaction. Not a dissatisfaction that's of the flesh, but of the spirit. We pray, stir up the gift. I pray, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift in hearts and minds. There's so much in this auditorium now. So many people with such talent, such gift. Stir up the gift, Father, I pray in your name. We pray for focus. We want to get our gaze back onto you, Jesus. You're so sweet. You're so good. And I pray, Lord, that maybe there's people here with hearts and hurt and pain. Just cause your gaze to fall upon anyone that's in pain this morning, Father. And put your loving arms around them and just come close and say, I love you. And I'm here for you. And I'm with you. And I'm in you. I'm in your life. Let their gaze just see you, Jesus, right now. Give us focus in you, we pray. Oh, Father of direction, we want us to just look ahead. You've got something fresh for us as a church and individuals and lives. And for some of us, there's stuff that's hurt us and we're 
Maybe we are running away, but we want to run into your arms. Maybe there's things that we need to run from, but I'm going to run into your arms, Jesus. You know, there's things that intimidate me, worry me, control me, but I'm going to run into your arms, Jesus. We're going to run into your arms this morning. Direction. Oh, Holy Spirit. And determined, we're going to just give our hearts to you and say, take my life. I'm so glad I don't have to work hard at it, but it's the Holy Spirit that works in me. As Mary has said, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And just now, Holy Spirit, would you have your way in the work of grace and love and an unstoppable love? There is an unstoppable love here. And we just pray that you'll just have your way in us. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>